drama of the uh, Miller family during this Christmas season. Why don't you thank them one more time? You know, we've been talking about complicated Christmases, and we certainly do get to kind of see some of the fun in the dysfunctional family of the Millers. And as a matter of fact, that's what I'm going to be talking about today. I'm going to be talking a little bit about family. Now, before I get there, I want to remind you that inside your worship guide, we've got a little message outline, so you might want to pull one of those out and grab a pen uh, that's right there in your, uh, in, in, maybe on the seat front in front of you. And um, we're going to have some fill in the blanks. I'm going to be reading some scripture. We're going to be studying some things together. But maybe the most important things are the places in the margin of the notes where that if maybe you hear the general whisper of God this morning, you might write down his personal word to you. Well, we've been in a series called Christmas, It's Complicated. And um, this Christmas Eve, we're going to take a little break from that, and we're going to focus simply on the message of Christmas on that, on, on that, on that Christmas Eve. But remember, that service is at 6 o'clock. But I was thinking this past week about the complicatedness of Christmas. Um, I don't know about you, but decorating, do you decorate your house for Christmas, right? Complicated, right? I mean, it's, it's involved. It, takes, it doesn't take a little bit of time. It takes a good bit of time. And then we've got schedules with Christmas parties and places we've got to go, places we've got to be. Schedules complicated at Christmas. Some of us are trying to buy just the right present, right? Is that complicated? Can it get complicated? Absolutely. But maybe for some of us, more than all of that, the day of Christmas might be the most complicated thing of all for us because some of us are preparing meals. We've got a full family over. It's different because everybody's at the house together. It can sometimes be stressful. It can get very, very complicated. And so real quickly, let's think together about the ingredients of a, uh, of a complicated, good family drama like the Millers over here. And uh, this is not in your notes. Just think something I was thinking about this past week. One of the first ingredients to a complicated family and a good family drama is that it can be confusing. It can be confusion going on. And what do you mean by that, Stephen? Well, I mean, it, it, sometimes some of our families get so large, it takes an org chart to figure out who is who in our family, you know? It can get confusing as to who's here and who's not and when they're going to be here and what time they're going to be here and all of that stuff. You get confusion when you get all these folks together in a room. But not only is it confusing, it can get complex. Uh, and what I, what I mean by that is that some of us have had really good years and then somebody else in the family might not have had the best year and they could be going through a tough time in their world. On top of that, it can get complex because our families sometimes keep expanding and there's new people here. Some of, some of you guys bring a different person to Christmas every year, you know? I mean, it can get complex in that kind of place. Here's another one. Change. Change can be a part of a good family drama. You know, there's, uh, there's, there's people there that are going through change in their life. Sometimes they're going through change in their work. Sometimes even our relationships are going through change. I'm thinking right now about how for me and my family, I've got two kids off in college now. They're coming home for Christmas. It, it, my world has changed a little bit where Christmas is, is involved. And here's another one. Uh, confusion, complexity, change. How about this one? Conflict. Conflict. There are always high emotions that go with Christmas, right? We've got a lot of expectations. We want everything to go just perfectly. And one of the things that I've learned is whenever we've got high emotions... We learned this at first when we were going on family vacations together. When we had a lot of expectation, it was in that moment that Satan, he loved to kind of sneak his foot, his little finger in the door and come and wreak havoc in the middle of what we were, all this emotion that we had going on in a, in a season or during a, during a time of vacation. But I like this last one, 
good elements, ingredients of a family drama, connection. At the heart of it all, we're family. And though we're family, we know we've got our little quirks, our little things that are special about us, but we love each other. We love our family. I don't know if you're from down south, but let me tell you a little bit about this connection piece. We have this little thing where we can talk about our family, but nobody else better talk about our family. I see some of your heads nodding right away, right? Well, our family might be a little different, and we might have some little drama going on, some war sometimes, but you know what? You better not talk about our family. This is our family. You know, as we talk about this Miller family, we always watch them and their complicated Christmases. I was thinking this past week about the very first time I invited my fiance, Julie, home. Um, I had never taken a girl to my home in Augusta, Georgia, and I was going to invite her home for Christmas. My family was, I mean, this, this must be a special girl if Stephen's going to be inviting her home. Well, little did I know when we arrived in Augusta, Georgia, that some things had already been simmering between some folks, and World War III broke out at my house. It had nothing to do with me. It had nothing to do with this beautiful young lady that I had brought with me. But all of a sudden, uh, I mean, it was war. I mean, it was yelling, this is Christmas. It was Christmas Day. For three hours, Julie ran, am I telling the truth? For three hours, Julie went off to the back room, my, my boyhood you know, bedroom, and kept little bitty babies while all the adults were mediating out all their issues. And I just remember thinking, welcome to the family, you know? Welcome to the family, you know? And, and it was the crazy beginning of our journey together. By the way, I'm just going to hit a real quick timeout. I'm very glad to announce this morning that my daughter got engaged this weekend. Yay! Congratulations, Abby. They were in New York. And Jesse, welcome to the fam. Yeah, we're having war at 3 o'clock. I'm just kidding. You know, all of our families are going to get together. However you define family, this week, you're going to be getting together with some folks, all right? And what's interesting about that gathering when you get together is it's going to be challenging, and it's going to be complex. And it might get complicated. But you know what the awesome thing is when we get our families together? It is that we are together and God gave us to one another. And what I want to talk to you about today is how in the world you can experience an incredible Christmas when your Christmas with your family can sometimes get complicated and get challenging. You got your pen? Let me just a little truism about our families. Write this one down real quickly, all right? And that's simply this. Every family has drama. That's so simple. Why don't you say it out loud? Four words with me. Ready? Every family has drama, right? Now, notice in your little margin there. I left you a little, little space right beneath that because I want you to write something special right beneath it. I didn't give you a blank to fill in. I just wanted to write right in that little margin I want you to write this down. God's family has drama. Write that in there, right under that. God's family has drama. Stephen, what do you mean by that? You know, this redemption thing about God coming to save the planet through his son, God could have done that any way he wanted to. Have you ever thought about that? I mean, God could have, he wasn't backed into a corner. It wasn't that he had to choose Bethlehem and a stable and a manger and, and all that. He wasn't backed into the corner. He could do this redemption thing however he chose to do it. I mean, if it was me, if I was God going to come to earth as the God man, I think I'd have picked a totally different way. You know, I would have, you know, had a jetliner, you know, and come walking down the steps like Elvis or something. Yeah. I mean, I, I would have picked a flamboyant way to do it. 
But here's the deal. God had a lot of options. He wasn't backed into the corner. He could have picked one, two, three, four, five. In God's idea, in his mind, imagine the infinity of ideas he could have had of how he was coming. But here's what I want you to know. God's family has drama. And this is where I find hope. In all the ways God chooses to save us, to bring this redemption thing to life for us, he chooses the complicated way. He chooses a very, very complicated way. And that gives me hope because God is in and he understands the challenge and the, and the complications of our world. Let's pick up the Christmas story together. Matthew, I want to invite you to read with me from Matthew. And we're going to read uh, right in uh, chapter 1 there, verse 18. I'm going to pause along the way, but I want you to grasp how God chose this complicated way to come into the earth. The Bible says in Matthew 1, 18, this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Let's just hit the pause button there for a minute. I mean, has this ever happened? A virgin is going to conceive, and this is God's plan? This is how God brings his son into the world? Very dramatic, right? Even God's family has drama. Look at that next verse. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law. Some versions say because he was a righteous man and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Let me hit the pause button right there. When folks got engaged back in that day, it was a really big deal. There were even legal implications. It was very formal. So when Mary and Joseph got engaged, there was a lot of, of activity and action and a lot of formality between their families and, and the journey that they were going to move towards their marriage. But what's interesting is on a sudden, Mary shows up pregnant. Now, beyond what she has to say about the angel visit and the Holy Spirit birthing this child in her, I want you to grasp Joseph and how complicated and dramatic this was for Joseph. I mean, the Bible says he was a righteous man. He was faithful to the law. And what I see in Joseph, can you imagine, hey, men, can I just, just think with me, men. Can you imagine the range of emotions you would feel when the woman that you love or you're expecting to, get, to just commit to in just a short while shows up pregnant and you know it's not you? Can you imagine the range of emotions? The Bible says that because Joseph was a righteous man, faithful to the law, he wanted to cause her as little embarrassment as possible. So he planned to divorce her quietly. See, back in that time, if you got engaged, literally that word was the word that was used if you ever broke off the engagement. It was a divorce. And he was going to have to go through a legal process, but going to try to do it to save her embarrassment. Look at the rest of it. It says, but after... He had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, and he said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel which means God with us. See, this is a story of Emmanuel right here, the story of God with us. Now think about it. Is it complex? Is there, is there change going on, right? Is it, is, it, is it confusing? Absolutely. All those ingredients to a good family drama, they're there. But there's even connection that is there. This drama 
is going on, and Emmanuel is born right in the middle of it. You know, that gives me great hope because it reminds me that in the middle of our drama that we have in our families, God doesn't back away. He doesn't pull away from us. You know what it says? It says God steps towards that kind of complexity. God steps towards that challenge. He knew that we needed a Savior, right, guys? He knew how fearful we were. He knew how lost we were. And God steps towards that. He brings that hope to us in the middle of our own problem, in the middle of our own human and family drama. For the next few minutes, if it's okay, I just want to talk to you about um, your family. I want to talk to you about the role you play in your family. Because like I said, just a couple of days, my family is getting together today over at my house. You're going to be a part of a big family drama. And I want you just to think about, think about the Millers for a minute, right? Chrissy and George and mom and dad, you know like I know, they're just actors. Uh, they didn't even get to audition for their role. I want to talk to you about some roles that you get a chance to play inside your family. And I want to challenge you to think about your role in your family. And what would that look like? What's my role? You got your pen? First thing I want to encourage you to think about is this. Number one, I can play the role of peacemaker or I can play the role of drama queen. Write that in there. I can play the role of peacemaker, peacemaker, or I can play the role, or instead, I can play the role of drama queen. Anybody know what a drama queen is? You raise your hand real quick, all right? Yeah, no, don't point. Don't point at somebody, all right? All right, so, so a drama queen, right? When we, now, this is interesting. And, and, and when I was thinking about what a drama queen is, my mind went back to when my daughter was really young. And we, we, we love to sit down. We watch these home videos. When she was like four and five and six years old, we used to have a show every, literally, every night at my house. We would say, now announcing Ariel. And she would come out prancing. You know, she would stand up there and she would sing, you know, look at this stuff, isn't it neat? You know, they make cakes on complete. You know, she'd get up there and sing her song, you know. And then she'd bow. She'd only sing about 10 words. And she'd bow. She'd walk out. And she would say, from the kitchen, she would say, now Mulan. You know, ladies and gentlemen, Mulan. And she would come prancing. And she was a drama queen. Now, what is so cute about that is she was four and five years old. Now, if she was still doing it today, it would not be cute, would it? Right? Now, you've seen kids play the drama, right? I mean, have you ever seen a kid fall on the floor and, and to pitch the little fit, and you're thinking to yourself, man, I would tear your tail up. You ever been there before? What's interesting, here's what I want you to get. Some folks never grow out of that. They never grow out of that kid place of drama, and that kind of is a very, very sad thing. There are some folks who kind of live in this drama thing, and I don't, I just, I, you, by the way, you know who I'm talking about. You know who I'm talking about. There are people in your office who like to stir the pot, right? Instead of trying to get things to calm down, they try to get things all heated up. There are people, have you noticed this? There are people on social media where they are drama queens, right? They get on social media and all they're trying to do is stir things up, you know? They're going to magnify things and oh, they're like, they're like Chicken Little, right? The world is coming to... There are people on social media who are drama queens. And guess what? There are people in your family who are drama queens. And if you don't know who that is, probably you, all right? All right. So what, what I'm encouraging you to think about is, is every, one of us, every one of us here know a drama queen. And some of us are drama queens. 
But there's a different role, and I want to challenge you to think about that, and it's the role of a peacemaker. You know, Jesus, the Bible calls him the prince of peace. I just want you to think about that for a minute. Jesus is the prince of peace, and he calls his children to be people who are like him and who are peacemakers. What would that look like? You know, in Matthew 5, uh, verse 9, when Jesus was giving out the Beatitudes, when he was giving his most famous sermon, he said this. He said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. What would it look like for you to play the role of a peacemaker this Christmas season in your home? Look at that next verse. Next verse in Romans 12, Paul wrote these words. He said, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. So what would that look like for you? To in the context of your family, in the context of your office this week, right before you guys all go on vacation, what would it look like for you to play the child of God, a peacemaker? Just a few ideas real quickly. As you get together with your family, you might need a few of these ideas. For some of us, if we're going to play a peacemaker, it means we really need to get a handle on forgiveness. You know, there are some things that have been done to us wrong. There are some things that probably were said that should have never been said. And what would it look like for you to be an agent of forgiveness before the family even shows up to the house for you to choose in advance, I am going to forgive what they have done to me. I'm going to be a peacemaker. I'm going to let it go and I'm going to forgive them. You know, like I know, there are some people in every family, when they show up, there's this potential for fireworks because of who they are and how they act. But what would it look like for you to be an agent of peace, never, ever setting off the fireworks. Here's an idea. It's the first idea I'd give to you when it comes to being a peacemaker. And the idea is learning, choosing, deciding now that you will walk in forgiveness as a peacemaker. Here's another idea. When something is said and something's done that's about to set you off, three words. I got them from a Disney movie. Let it go, Right? Let it, let it go, let it go, all right? Let it go. Hey, you got your hand real quickly? Grab, grab a fist, grab a fist, grab a tight fist. Make it strong. You don't want to feel like this at Christmas. Make it strong for a minute. What if I ask you, and I won't ask you to do this, but what if I ask you to hold that fist through the rest of this sermon today? You know how uncomfortable that would be? Guys, now do this. Got that fist? Got that fist? Hard that fist? Really, really strong? Let it go, let it go. Do you see the peace? You see the peace that comes when you just let stuff go and you don't let the stress build. You don't let all that strength and that energy flow through that stuff. I think powerful things can happen when we let it go. Now, here's the idea here, Miss Jenny. The idea is, what if you and I were peacemakers? And in the context of our home, we were forgiving agents. We were forgiving whenever people did things to us, even if they were horrible things. We were children of our Father. We forgive. We forgive immediately. We forgive completely. We forgive unconditionally. But what about this? What if whenever that thing was said, whenever, whenever that moment was done, and we were about to get set off, what if we let it go? How do you do that, Stephen? Well, I will tell you the best way to let it go can be found in one word. And the word is humility. You know, the Bible is very clear. God is at war with the proud. God hates pride. God loves, the Bible says, he blesses and lifts up the humble. So in those moments when you feel maybe you deserve better or maybe you're not appreciated in this moment, 
Or maybe you feel like they shouldn't have said that. In that moment, what would it look like for you to humble yourself? Humble yourself and let it go. That word that was said, that deed that was done, just let it go. See, I think that those moments prove that we're children of our Father in heaven, right? When we really are forgiving agents, and when we're, when we're really choosing humility. Now, real quickly, what are we talking about here? You're going to play a role. And which role will it be? Will it be peacemaker or will it be drama queen? I want to challenge you to audition for the role this weekend or, or this week of peacemaker in your home, okay? So write this one down. Here's another one. Um, another role that you can play. Um, I, you can play the role of Hope Peddler or you can play the role of Debbie Downer. Fill that in for me. The rope of Hope Peddler giving hope away or the person who is Debbie Downer. Now, can we just agree on something real quickly? Um, we have plenty of wrong things going on in our world. Can we agree about that? Shake your head up and down, right? There's plenty in our world that is, that's, that's kind of bad news out there. And I would also add that there are plenty of people in our world that are bringing those things to our attention. There are plenty of people who are discouraged at our world, discouraged at our country, discouraged at a lot of things. I, and, and you know what? When I was growing up, my favorite little cartoon was a, a, a little yellow bear called Pooh Bear. And there was a donkey in that, in that little Winnie the Pooh thing. You remember what, the, what was the donkey's name? Eeyore. And Eeyore went around. Eeyore is, to me, the epitome of Debbie Downer. I mean, that's what he is. Eeyore, oh, everything's bad. You know, that was Eeyore. And I used to wonder why they even put Eeyore in there because it's life. And they need to put a Debbie Downer in the show, right? I mean, there are lots and lots and lots of Eeyores. But here's what I want to challenge you to think about. Jesus is the hope of the world, right? And if Jesus is the hope of the world, this is interesting. If I really believe that Jesus is the hope of the world, then I, why wouldn't my, desk, my best days be before me? Why would I ever believe that God had, had the, the best days were behind me? I believe Jesus is the hope of the world. And therefore, I am going to live hope-filled. And in my family and in my workplace, I'm going to live as an encourager or the person who peddles hope, not the person who is going all the time, you know, all the world's bad and everything's going wrong. If you really believe Jesus is the hope of the world, then you should live as an encouraging agent in the world. Now, this is interesting because when the angels showed up to the shepherds, remember that? The angel shows up and they fill up the night sky and it must have been glorious because, I mean, they were getting a fireworks show. The Bible says they were afraid though, right? Because I don't know what angels really look like, but they must be fierce looking, right? These angels show up and they begin to declare. Now, what's interesting is when the angels show up to the shepherds, they don't show up. Have you ever thought about this? They don't show up as Debbie Downers. They don't show up going, oh, your world is messed up, you know? They don't show up going, man, what are we going to do? What's interesting is they show up with hope, all right? Read that passage with me from Luke chapter 2. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. The shepherds were terrified. But watch this. Four things. You might want to even write little numbers in your outline there. Four things. But the angel said to them, be not afraid. Number one, be not afraid. I bring you good news. Number two, good news. That's hope, right? I bring you good news 
that will cause great joy. Number three, right? Great joy, and I love this one. And it says, for all the people, four things. Do you get that? Did you get that hope right there, guys? He, he says, don't be afraid. Good news, full of joy, all people. This is good news. He's announcing the birth of Emmanuel. And it goes on to say, today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. What would it look like for you to live as a hope peddler in your family, in your workplace this Christmas season? What would that look like? You know, I would encourage you, if you're thinking about auditioning for that role, why don't you just for a minute ask yourself a question? And here's the question. Who in my family right now, who in my workplace needs the most encouragement? Who can I speak a word of life to? Who can I speak a word of hope over? Who needs encouragement? Put a face on it. Put a name on it. And you decide that you're, gonna, you're not going to be a Debbie Downer. You are going to be a hope peddler to that person this Christmas season. You know what? I dare say some of us, we have somebody in our family this Christmas that's going to be coming to our house or going to be coming right here to Locust Grove, McDonough, right here in Henry County, and they need hope. And maybe the best way you could peddle hope to them is bring them to church on Christmas Eve at 6 o'clock where you know they're going to hear a message of hope. But make sure that you're not of that ilk, of that kind that are playing the role of Debbie Downer, but that you are trying to understand, Lord, you're the hope of the world. Let your hope shine through me. Make me an encourager. I've told you guys so many times before, my life was radically changed when I got around a person that was practicing the spiritual gift of encouragement. It touched my life in a dramatic way. I want to challenge you. Practice that gift. Speak hope, speak life, and encourage somebody else. So what have we talked about? We talked about let's, let's be peacemakers, children of our father, and not drama queens. We said we're going to be hope peddlers. We're not going to be Debbie Downers. And here's another one. Here's, maybe this is the role you want to audition for. And that is, I can play the role of love giver. Write that in. I can play the role of love giver instead of hater. Okay, last week I quoted the great theologian Beyonce. So well, this week I just quote the great theologian Taylor Swift. You remember what she said about haters, right? Right? And the haters going to hate, 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 hate. But shake it off, right? Okay. So... Here's what we're talking about. We're talking about being love givers, right? Now, what do you mean by being a love giver, Stephen? Do you remember when Jesus one time was teaching and somebody in the crowd yelled out? As a matter of fact, it actually says they were trying to trick him in this moment. They were trying to trap him. And somebody yelled out, hey, Jesus, what's the greatest of all the commands in the Bible? You remember this, right? And Jesus, remember what he said the first greatest command was? He said the first greatest command, love. That's right. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and strength, right? And then he said number two right after that, and the second greatest commandment is like unto it. He said, love your neighbor as yourself. And then I love this. He said, every one of the other laws kind of hang on those two. It's kind of like those are the doorposts. They, they're the hinges that everything else swings on. You get that right. You love God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and you love other people, you get it, Right? I like to think of it this way. God is the original love giver. I mean, Jesus came to the planet because God is a love giver. He came to the planet out of love. You remember the most famous verse that everybody knows? God so loved the world, right? Jesus came because of love. 
And so basically, when they were asking Jesus that question that day, hey, Jesus, what's the most important command? And Jesus gives them not only the most important one, the second most. Jesus is saying, listen, it's simple as this. Open up your heart to God and love him with everything you got. Open up your heart to people and love them like you love yourself. You know what Jesus is saying? He's saying that we're supposed to live imitating, following the pattern of our Father in giving out love. Now, can I just tell you, um, I realize this. There are some folks who have a hard time expressing love. It's just true, right? You know that already, right? Some of you grew up with parents that had a hard time expressing love. Some of us were grandparents. Some of us are that way ourselves. We just have a hard time expressing love, you know? Um, my dad said to me, I love you three times. I can tell you where I stood every one of the three times because it, it, like, it was like the earth stood still when my dad said, I love you. And I get it. I get it that a lot of people, it's hard for them to express love with either the words or with either their, maybe their, their body, their emotions. I get that. But I'm so thankful that God, our Heavenly Father, is a perfect Father. And He doesn't have a hard time expressing love. He shows His love to us. He wants, listen, here's the message, here's the hope in it all. He wants to love you. Get this picture. He wants to love you so much that you become a love giver just like He is. One of my, uh, one of my friends, one of my pastor friends, he has this little analogy and I thought I'd bring it with me this morning. It's not just a solo cup. You might not be able to see that from far away, but it's what he calls the love cup. And I think this kind of illustrates what I'm talking about here this morning. He says that every person, every person walking in the planet walks around with a love cup. As a matter of fact, he would say, you came into this church today with a love cup. And some of your cups might be very full. And some of your cups might be very empty right now. But he says every one of us walk through life with a love cup. And what's interesting about our love cup is that we are either receiving love from God and having God fill up our cup, or, or he's not, okay? And here's the interesting thing. If he's not, you know how we're trying to fill up our love cup? We're trying to get other people to fill up our love cup. And here's the image that my friend always shares. He says, you know... The best way for you to, to operate with a love cup is to daily get with God and have God fill up your love cup so that then all throughout the day, you're going and giving that love away to other people. Guys, we live in a world of people with empty love cups. They're looking for love everywhere. And many of them don't understand who the, at the heart of, of our God who he is, that he is a loving God. And, and here's the picture. Get this picture. God's not against you. You know, there's a lot of people who would get this image of, a, of God as a, as a dad who's mad with them, of a dad who's disappointed with them, about, or, or a policeman that's going to try to get onto them. Can I just give you the picture of, of this Bible? This Bible gives a picture of a God who left heaven, came to earth, became a baby, and, and went through all the stinkiness, mess-up stuff of our world just so that he could get on our level. And show you how great his love is. Let me say it differently. You have a heavenly father. Who cares so deeply for you. He died for you. Which is amazing. Because we're just dust of the planet. And he's God. 
but he's a humble king. He loves you. He accepts you. Look at that scripture I put right there underneath that point about us being love givers and not haters. The Bible says in 1 John 4.19, we love, why? Because he first loved us. We love, how? Because he first loved us. You know, the, the beauty of the gospel of Jesus Christ is God wants you. He wants you. He made you with a love cup. And he wants you to let him fill up that cup. You came to church today so that God could fill you up with his love. And what's the goal? That we would be filled up and that when we would give that love away to other people. Listen, what would it look like for you to audition for the role of a love giver in your family? Just giving love away, giving love, not holding it back, not being afraid of what they might think. Just giving away love because God has lavished his love on you. God loves you and he wants you to open up your heart to him. And he wants you to open up your heart to others. You know, it's a very simple message, isn't it? But think about it for a minute, just real quickly. Peacemakers. Hope peddlers. Love givers. The truth of the gospel you can't do that unless you know Jesus Christ. You can't do that unless, unless you've had an intimate moment with him and let him come in and say, you know what? I know you're filled with all your baggage and I know you're filled with all your junk. Listen today, understand, that's why I came to the planet. That's why I died for you. That's why I'm here for you, to take the junk away. And if you're here in this church today, listen, I hope you hear a message of good news for you because you don't have to continue on struggling for yourself. You don't have to labor anymore. You can finally just let it go and say, God, I really understand now that you wanted peace with me. You came to make a way for peace with me and the Father, that you came to give me hope and that you love me. Thank you. I don't deserve it. I don't deserve it at all. Hey, this morning, I'm going to pray a very simple prayer. And the prayer that I'm going to pray for you this morning is simply this, that you would, you would thank God for the hope he's given you. Thank God for the peace he can, he can operate and use and, and make you a, a peacemaker around. And thank God for his great love over your life. And listen, if you've never received Jesus Christ, why not make the Sunday before Christmas your spiritual birthday? Why not make it your day where you say, hey, December the 20th, 2015, that's when I walked into the kingdom of God and I really fully received the love of God. They can be your day. Hey, would you pray with me? God, we thank you so much for who you are. And we thank you that yours is a message of hope. And it's a message of good news. And Lord, I pray for every one of our families here. I pray, God, that as we are getting into our families and having all the traditions and all the food and all that stuff, Lord, remind us of this word that you poured into our lives today. That you've not called, you've not called us to be those people who are who are, are dramatic and causing all the problem, problems. You've called us to be a people of forgiveness, to be a people of humility. You've called us to be a people of peace. So, Lord, help us to do that in our families. You've called us to be people who give hope, not people who are, who are, who are like Chicken Little, screaming the sky is falling, but that are encouraging and pointing towards the future. Jeremiah 29, 11, a, a future and a hope that is a good hope you've planned for us. And, Lord, I pray also that you would help us give love away, 
Uh, Lord, thank you that we're sitting in church today and you've been pouring into our cup, but you love us. You've been filling up our cup. And Lord, this week you've been, you're calling us to give that love away to our family. Lord, don't let us hold it back. Help us to give it away. And Lord, for that person that you've been whispering over them and you've been tapping on their heart's door and you've been putting your arm around their shoulder and you've been saying, I've loved you since the foundation of the world. I made you. You are mine. Lord, I pray today as they just pray a very simple prayer. Jesus, I give you my heart. I give you my heart the best I know how. Come into my life. Save me, Jesus. Wash away my sin. Give me a hope and a future. Give me peace, oh God, that I may walk in your peace every day and I may have a, a promise to fulfill and a, and a purpose to live on. Lord, I pray today that you just, in your own gentle way, flood that soul like I was when I was just a little boy on a beach in South Carolina, and I just felt loved. I felt your arms put around me. Lord, let them feel that right now, that the God of the universe loves them, cares for them, accepts them just like they are. I pray, Jesus. Oh, you're so good to us. Emmanuel, God with us. Father, this week, if our family experiences some drama, remind us that you step towards drama. You don't back away from it. And that even in the midst of our complexity and confusion and chaos and change, you are Emmanuel. You are with us. Thank you, Jesus, for loving us so much. We love you. Lord, in the next few minutes as we give towards your kingdom purposes, I pray that you remind us of what your Bible says, and that is that we can only reap whatever we've sowed. So, Lord, you're calling us to sow into the kingdom the invisible, you know, intangible kingdom on planet earth. And Lord, we are sowing into it today, praying that you would take our gifts and multiply them beyond our reach, that you would take the seed that we plant today and that you would keep expanding the kingdom of Jesus and your renown all across this planet. So Lord, in the next few minutes, do the miracle that you do. Take the fish and the loaves, but for us, take the first fruits of our giving and multiply it beyond our reach for your gain, your kingdom gain. In the name of Jesus, we pray.